Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, and we've got a really exciting show for you today. I have as my special guest, Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher and the former chief marketing officer. Fetcher was named in 2018 as the number one tech startup on the Forbes Middle East list. I'll also be talking about Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, and how he got his account hacked. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, the first story is Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, did indeed get his own Twitter account hacked and for several hours was tweeting expletives, obscenities, and a bunch of really crazy things until they figured it out. Now, I'm sure the question in your mind is, how does the CEO of Twitter get his own account hacked? And then you would ask the question, well, how did Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook get his Facebook account hacked several years back? I will get into it in the Cyber Tip of the Week. In the next big tech news, this week, it's an app that is not in the United States. It's called Zao, Z-A-O. It's relevant in that it was a face-swapping app that went viral in the Chinese application WeChat. WeChat has like one and a half billion users worldwide. And so this app was placed in their version of the App Store, downloaded so many times that it actually broke the App Store. And when it started being used, it went viral. Well, the technology is so good, it just needs one photo of someone's face, and it can be then used for any types of purposes, transposing that face onto somebody else. This leads to a whole slew of privacy concerns that we can't get into in this segment, but I'll be talking more about that. There are similar apps for Apple's App Store or for Google's App Store, so just be aware. And then the other really scary part about this before I finish the story was that the terms built into the download was basically saying that whatever you did on the platform they owned all the data in perpetuity and had rights to it forever. On the last piece of news, which is more for businesses, it turns out as much as we think ransomware is spray and pray, so we think of hackers that do ransomware, they actually try to attack as many people as possible. That's usually true, but they're getting smarter and they're actually targeting companies that they know for a fact to be cyber insured. So companies who are fearful of getting ransomware attacks or other attacks, they buy an insurance policy just like you buy for your car. And so a lot of times these insurance companies are very happy that a large whatever company becomes a client and they post them on their website as a client. And so the hacker says, wow, look, this company A is a client of this insurance group. Maybe if we can successfully hack them, they will pay the insurance policy. And as a matter of fact, for the people who track this sort of stuff, there is a correlation that if you have cyber insurance and it's public, you are attacked more often. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my very special guest and friend, Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher. Joy, it's a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks for uh, having me here. Thank you. So as I talked about in the opening of the show, Fetcher is arguably the largest e-commerce platform in the Middle East. Fetcher raised a ton of money in Series A and B, I think $52 million. Yes. And tons and tons of users. And I think one thing I want to really mention before we get into it, Joy, is 
if you think about it in the context of Silicon Valley, that less than, I think, 2.7% of funding goes to women founders. And then you actually left Silicon Valley. <laughs> and after really starting Bonfay, a company that you had exited with before, going off to Dubai and doing this again, and not like you had any connections there, familiar connections, what does it take to do that? That's a, just a crazy story. Serendipity, my favorite word, serendipity. You know, never say I'll never. If you use the word I'll never is exactly what's going to happen to you. So it was serendipity. I literally sold my first company, Bonfair, in a merger and acquisition to Moda Operandi. And um, I'm of Middle Eastern descent. I'm Palestinian. And even saying that word alone is controversial, that word, Palestinian. <laughs> and um, they had a group of Arab companies coming in from the Middle East. And they said, um, look, you're of Middle Eastern descent. Would you like to be a mentor to help these these guys and, you know, give them some, some pointers? And I said, sure. So I went there and I was listening to all the pitches. And uh, one of the guys on stage uh, was my partner. And he was talking about solving the problem of no addresses in uh, in the Middle East and emerging markets. And um, totally resonated with me. I loved the idea. Because at my last company, Bonfair, which was an e-commerce platform, one of the marketing strategies was to reach emerging markets. So a lot of the boxes that I was shipping and doing the marketing for, for Bonfair were going to the Middle East, and a lot of them came back. And they came back with a stamp that said, can't find the address. <laughs> and to me, I was baffled by this. What do you mean you can't find the address? So this notion of not having an address being American was completely foreign to me. I was like, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like the mailman couldn't find the, 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 you know, your home. And I slowly came to realize that there are no mailmen in, 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 in the Middle East or in, in countries like South America, parts of India, well, India, you know, parts of China, there are no mailmen that knock on your door and give you a package. So this notion of, you know, 15 main street, any town USA where you just, you know, put an address on a box and then somebody knocks on your door is something that doesn't exist. So when the boxes kept coming back to me in my first company saying we couldn't find the the person, then I became to realize and it came to uh, came to my attention that there are no addresses. So um, when I was there as a mentor and I heard, uh, you know, somebody saying, uh, you know, I, I really want to solve the problem of no addresses. It completely resonated with me because I experienced it. So, um, what was I, that experience like, though? I mean, let's make it very tangible. Yeah, you're trying to get a package, and you're in the Middle East, and there's no concept of addresses as a uniform thing. What happens? It, it completely confused me because e-commerce in the United States, um, you know, is oversaturated. So, as a as a CMO and a and Somebody in marketing, you know, the aim is to grow revenue. So everybody's looking to emerging markets for growth because emerging markets, you know, they're growing. So uh, when I got the box back, I mean, I could not, I was, I mean, when the orders were coming in, when I was, you know, doing the marketing in, in, in places like Russia as well mm -hmm. and in the Middle East, the, the orders were coming in. I was like, oh, my God, I hit the holy grail. Yes. And I was really excited about it because the, the, the purchases were coming in. And they were hungry for product. And so I thought that I was like really, you know, onto something until the boxes kept coming back saying, sorry, we couldn't find them. And I was really frustrated because 
you can imagine when the revenue is coming in and you can't get the product delivered, it's it's something that just is like, you know, wait a minute, this should be easy. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Well, the harder part should be selling the product. And in emerging markets, the easy part was selling the product. Getting them the product was the hard part. So um, we winded up uh, – I winded up going up to him and saying, hey, love the idea. Um, have you had any luck raising money? And uh, at the time, he looked at me and he goes, I haven't been able to raise any money. And I said, uh, why? He said, well, Silicon Valley doesn't really invest in the Middle East. Well, let's hold right there because yeah. this is where we're getting to the really good part and we're going to save it for the next segment. Yeah. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher. And she's talking about her life, her career, mm-hmm. Fetcher the company. And we'll be talking about that the entire show. So I'll be right back with Joy. Any other questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined with Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher. In our first segment, we talked about Fetcher being the largest e-commerce platform in the Middle East. You can find them at Fetcher.us, which is F-E-T-C-H-R dot U-S. So, Joy, earlier we talked about how even being a female founder getting funding in the Silicon Valley is like a 2.7% chance. And then you founded your company in the Middle East, which has got to be even more rare. What's the secret to your success? So this is a question I get asked all the time, and it's one that I love to answer. I think fear and not caring about what somebody thinks is a secret to my success. I don't really care what anyone thinks. And I know that everyone says, well, what does that mean? It means that when you get the door slammed in your face, as many times as I've had the door slammed in my face, you can't take rejection personally. If you're the kind of person that gets upset every time somebody tells you no, then you got no business being an entrepreneur. You need to step off. I have the kind of personality where you can tell me no 50,000 times and I'll just show up And I don't have a shame gene. To be an entrepreneur, you got to not have any shame. I don't have any shame. I have no shame to show up at your door 50 times after you told me I'm not interested. And I think that is the magic sauce, is that relentlessness and knowing that you really believe in your idea and you know that it's amazing. Because if you believe in something, success is going to come to you because there's no other way. You cannot fail. You just have to just be determined. And that determination and that fear of not caring. One of my favorite sayings is when you get to a point in your life where you don't care what anyone thinks of you, you've reached a position of power that's frightening because you just keep coming back. You keep getting punched in the face and you just keep coming back with no shame. And that's really been the secret to my sauce. Passion, determination, no shame. That is super inspiring. That is actually (laughs) great. You know, what's funny is I spent over 20 years in corporate, trained as a banker, Mm -hmm. trained in technology risk and compliance. And as I'm working with more and more with 
entrepreneurs and startups, I've had to unlearn a lot of behaviors. So mm-hmm. what you just said is really empowering because I think when you're trained as a salesperson even, you're basically told that you need to ask like 12 times mm. before it's really even close to being a true no. Mm. No, it's it's not even just about sales. It's about, you know, I think this generation for women is a sad generation, really, I say this, because Instagram and Facebook and all these things, everybody's so focused on how many likes you get, how many people like the picture, what's everybody else doing in life, is my my life adequate enough, do people like me enough? Like it's so focused on outside that this new generation of women are not focused on what's the most important thing is what you think of yourself. But nobody even has a moment to stop to think about what you think about yourself because what everybody else thinks is so important. And that's not the DNA of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone in the very essence is disruptive in nature and is not a conformist. You can't be a conformist and be an entrepreneur because the very definition of an entrepreneur is to be disruptive, to disrupt an industry, to disrupt a category. So it's a personality type. It really is. And, you know, I I really feel sorry for the next generation of women. I really do. I well, think we've got to have some definite self-esteem issues. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's particularly acute in women, but also in millennials and zennials in, in 100%. general. There was an article this week that <laughs> Facebook is considering getting rid of likes. I saw that. And it's specifically because of what you just said, not yeah. not just for women, but the entire population of people who are now – because there's a dopamine effect, they say, whenever you see the, the hit, the like on – any of your posts on anything, and yep. that it's really creating... It's an addiction. It's a Pavlovian, yeah, dog situation. It's like you're, you're Am I seeking, good enough? Yeah. Am I good enough? And I think that's a question that we all feel. And I think these social media platforms are basically, you know, feeding into that insecurity. Am I good enough? Yeah, good point. So I wanted to get back to sure. our last segment. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a powerful message, which I think is why we stayed on it. But in the last we were talking about what led up to Fetcher, the package delivery being very yeah. unique. And I know we're going to go into a very deep dive Mm -hmm. in the next segment. But for just finishing that up, what was it like fundraising for Fetcher? I don't think anybody, they're male or female, doing a fundraising. Fundraising is like, it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you're constantly looking for funding. And that's a job in itself. I mean, funding is a full-time job. And you never stop pitching. Even if you just finished a raise, you're still looking for the next raise because the essence of startups is you're not profitable until you are. And until you are, you always need money. So it never ends. So it's exhausting. You know, it definitely takes away from building the company because you're focused on pitching. So you got to build the company. You got to hire great people. You've got to build products, see what the competition is doing, and at the same time raise money. You know, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. It's tough. It's really tough. Plus all the rejection, right, Yeah, that we just talked about. I mean, I don't know enough about how Fetcher got Series A and Series B up mm-hmm. to $52 million, But one of the companies I'm very close to, just as an example, they had closed, uh, let's call it 90%, or they closed 100% of their soft cap on a, on a Series A. And nice. then their syndicate said, actually, we want you to raise a little bit more. So they actually mm-hmm. raised all of it, and when I say all of it, um, in a very short amount of time. And then that last little bit, it took them 13 months. Mm. Well, there's a saying uh, with entrepreneurs, which is get the money when you can get the money. 
You know, uh, everyone, you know, there's this, these such, there's such complicated formulas for dilution. Well, do we really want to do this? And if we raise this amount of money, you know, the value will be, you know, better if we, we don't want to get diluted. I mean, it's a juggling game between dilution and getting the money and the next next valuation. So there's 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 always a, a, a rationale. But in, in my instinct, it's always get the money when you can get the money, for sure. So you actually exited Fetcher. Yes. And we're going to talk more about everything that's on the horizon for you at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the amount of commitment, I think you were doing it for six years. Yes. I think I, we really should talk about how intense those six years were. It's a sacrifice. Any entrepreneur who tells you it isn't it is, is, is not being honest. Being in a startup is a huge sacrifice. It takes its toll on your emotions, your mental health, your physical, your state of mind, your family, your personal. It is, it is a huge commitment, and it sucks your life because all you do is spend your entire life thinking about your company, and it's a lonely place to be. It's a very lonely place to be because – you're fighting for something, and the only other people that would understand what you're going through is your is your your partners. They understand what it's like uh, to be in this lonely place. It's tough. It's and, really tough. And just as a reminder, you didn't have any family in Dubai. I didn't. Um, you know, I've always been a risk taker, and I think being an entrepreneur is about taking risks, right? Um, when I met my partner, uh, he wasn't able to raise any money, and uh, I had an exit, so we got to talking. And uh, I said, "Hey, you're looking. You're looking for a, a partner." And he was like, "Yes." Um, I said, "Have you had any luck raising money?" He's like, "No, because you know they don't raise money in the Middle East because it's not really a place that Silicon Valley focuses on." What about all those sovereign wealth funds? Ah, they focus on companies in Silicon Valley. A lot of them do, right? They focus on the big ones. Um, and, you know, it's true. The ecosystem in the Middle East is just starting out and it's just growing. And there's a, there is some really great talent uh, in, in the Middle East, no question about it. But it's still a very new ecosystem and they're still learning and growing. So uh, a lot of the, the, the startups in the Middle East look for Silicon Valley uh, for investment and all over the world, right? Everybody comes to Silicon Valley looking for money. Well, Joy, thanks. That was a really quick segment. I want to remind everyone that in the next segment, Joy is going to take us through what it's like to go through the platform of Fetcher because it's not available here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure a lot of people are interested. So as a reminder, you can go to Fetcher.us, F-E-T-C-H-R.us to understand more about the platform and how it works. Don't go away. Any questions or comments, email us, info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, today on my show, I have special guest Joy Algeloni, who is the co-founder of Fetcher and the former chief marketing officer. Fetcher is the largest e-commerce platform in the Middle East. 
On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to follow up on what I talked about in the first segment in Tech News, which is Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, got his own Twitter account hacked. And of course, you're going to scratch your head saying, how can that happen? And if it can happen to Jack, can it happen to me? And yes, it absolutely can happen to you. And how this is, and they don't give all the details, but they speculate, is that most likely what occurred was a SIM attack, which is something similar to Michael Turpin, who's suing AT&T for $224 million, $24 million for the Bitcoin that was stolen when his cell phone account was stolen twice, and also $200 million in punitive damages. So we speculate that Jack Dorsey's mobile phone carrier was able to move the ownership of that phone to somebody else called a SIM attack, your SIM card. And before they could lock it down or shut it down, the people who hacked it were able to do the malicious tweets. Turns out that oftentimes to secure your mobile account or any other web account, you use two-factor authentication. So you're basically saying not just my password, but I want to text to my phone or text or email to another phone or something else. Well, what often happens is if you're texting to the same device that the hacker has, well, then obviously the text is going to go exactly to them. And therefore, they have... all the ability to get into your accounts. So the recommendation is this, do use multi-factor authentication, but if you have the luxury, do it in separate devices. Maybe do it to your spouse's device or your children's device, or if you have another phone. There are other ways to make sure that when you're using two-factor authentication that you're secure. But yes, absolutely do not put anything sensitive on your mobile phone that you think could potentially be lost or stolen. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher, an alternative delivery platform that's only available outside the United States. Actually, it was started in the Middle East. Welcome back, Joy. Thanks. I'm back. Here we are. In the first segment, we talked about Fetcher, how it's an alternative delivery platform, how it serves a purpose that really nobody in North America would probably even understand without having lived or traveled abroad. Mm -hmm. So let's go back. What is Fetcher? So Fetcher is a shipping company, but it's a new generation of shipping companies, right? What we were talking about earlier is that half the world has no address. So what's interesting is that what you think about is putting an address on a box and then having the box delivered to you, right? In the Middle East and in emerging markets, the way that you get a package is as follows. The phone rings. You give somebody your phone number, and it's usually a driver, and they call you and they say, hi, I have a package for you. And you're like, great. And you're like, well, where do you live? And you literally stay on the phone and you give directions. I'll give an example. You know the 7-Eleven in San Jose? Yeah, Yeah. I do. Which 7-Eleven? Which one? Oh, you know the one downtown next to the stadium? Yeah, I know that one. Okay. We'll go downtown, make a left. Then make a right where the third door from the blue door. On the, I mean, that's literally how you get a package by literally talking to somebody on the phone and giving them directions. And if anybody's ever given directions to their home on a phone, you know how annoying it is. Oh, my God, it's so annoying. And imagine every time you get a letter, you have to get on the phone and give somebody blow by blow directions. It's draining. It's completely not efficient. So what Fetcher is trying to do is solve that problem, which is why we got investment from Silicon Valley. We are trying to solve the problem of no addresses. And what we do is kind of the Uber technology. We use your cell phone number as your address. So very similar to the way that Uber works. If you press a button, like the car knows exactly where to pick you up. 
And that's the exact same technology that we use. If you press the button, we know exactly where you are Mm -hmm. and we can deliver the package to where you are. You don't have to give us your address, therefore solving the problem of no addresses. So we're kind of the Uber of shipping. And the interesting part about that is that you don't have to be home. You know, the world is mobile. The majority of the world is mobile. So if you're somewhere... We can be wherever you are. That's the interesting Well, that part. was my next question yeah. is thinking more linear back to North America. Yeah. What if the person wasn't home? I mean, you, exactly. They, Who stays home 10 hours a day? And the interesting part is that in emerging markets, the packages are COD, which is something that everybody in, in the United States and in Europe, they don't understand that because the interesting part about it is, and this is really what's fascinating, right? When you buy something online, like say you buy something from Nordstrom's, you swipe your credit card. That's it. The transaction is done. Nordstrom's has your money. It's done, right? In emerging markets, you put in a transaction, but now you have to wait for the delivery company to deliver it to your door to collect the cash because the transaction doesn't take place on your laptop. It takes place at the door when someone knocks and says, hey, I got your package. Give me the money. So 97% of our businesses were done Cash, cash on delivery. And what percentage of that were returns? Oh, well, that's a whole nother category. Returns are very tough in emerging markets. It's very tough. And it's something that, you know, that a lot of shipping companies are still working on, on how do you solve the problem of the return. But a lot of customers would actually sit there and wait to open the package to see what's in it before you give them the cash. So that's the interesting part about emerging markets is that the majority of these deliveries are done in cash. The concept of taking a credit card is still very new yeah. in this region of the world. Well, people don't remember, but credit cards in the U.S. on an individual level mm-hmm. is really only 25 years. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that long. No. I grew up in banking. It was. This is just more advice I give. Debit cards and credit cards. Debit cards, people use them interchangeably, the credit cards, but they're totally different. But mm-hmm. debit cards were originally made by banks because of people who were not credit worthy to own a credit card. Mm-hmm. And so debit cards were placed. Now people use them almost interchangeably. That's also a different topic yeah. for a different show. But it's, it's not that old. But imagine how important it is for a store like Nordstrom's who just you know sold you something to be able to find you. Because if we don't find you and collect the money, there is no sale. So that's how important it is that this technology is that we've built to find you to collect the cash. Because in essence, we're the bank, we're the credit card, and we're the delivery company. In this model, if you're doing chief revenue officer, Mm -hmm. right, you can't book the revenue until the cash, until the delivery happens at the door? Absolutely. How can you, you you know, say that the transaction took place until the delivery company knocks on the door and gets the cash? That's the transaction at the door. Well, well, uh, you know, and you cannot, you cannot, you know, take it in as revenue until you actually collect the cash. Well, well, back to the dot com days. Yes, <laughs> and back to like, let's use pets dot com. Mm. Um, and a lot of tech company, tech companies are doing the same thing. Mm. It was very common to do what, it, and this was outright fraud was uh, what's called channel stuffing, right? So mm. you send out product mm-hmm. and book the revenue, mm. and then you expect that the returns come in, but the returns come in under returns. Mm. And so you're Different inflating. Model. But see, in this model, mm. you're actually showing uh, very clear that I can't book the revenue until the transaction is settled. Yeah, I mean... Which is tr- it's conservative. Well, it's, it's the truth. The transaction doesn't take place until we get the money at the door. So it doesn't exist. It's just a theory, really, when you're placing an order... It's all a theory. And then think about how important it is to get to the package 
to the customer as quickly as possible because there's no commitment. There's no credit card being swiped. So every day that you delay in getting the package is a day that the customer has a chance to change their mind. Yeah. So that's how important it is. And all of this is taking place in countries where there are no addresses. So so how much did you grow? Oh, my God. Uh, We're solving a problem that everybody wanted. I mean, we grew 600% in 2018. Um, hiring 100 employees a, a week, and uh, our staff was at 3,500, covering um, Jordan, uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Um, uh, you know, we covered the whole GCC region, the whole Middle Eastern region. Mm-hmm. And what's the addressable population for that? That's a really good question. Uh, oh, God, I'd say at least a Probably 300, maybe 400 million people. Okay, yeah. Egypt alone is 100 million people. So I would say I would say probably like two, 300 million people. You know, you know what, what I think is really interesting is uh, last week we had Tiffany Xingyu Wang, who's a common friend of ours, mm-hmm. and she does venture all around the world. And she had actually talked about mm-hmm. that once you get past Series A, yeah. once you get into serious funding, mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter which country you're in, it actually is all commonized. It it, it Series B is Series B anywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, you, they're, they're, it definitely ups the game, no question about it. I mean, because you know, B is about growth, so there is definitely growth. And then when you when you hit those numbers and you're in the Series B, then you know the the, the global community knows that you put a, you put a stake on the ground and that you you're on the map. You're on the map for sure. So so how easy is it to get started for the user on the platform? Um, well, we're actually uh, more uh, a B2C consumer. Okay. We're more, more B2C. So it's actually the companies that use us. Okay. Uh, so they would be the ones that, that, that sign up to us because we're a B2C platform. And how long does it take them to get started? Oh, we can sign up right away. I mean, that's very easy to get started. For sure. <laughs> and then is, there, is it a word of mouth type of play or is it marketing in the Middle East and – well, it is definitely a word of mouth. I mean, you know, we're based in Dubai. We started in Dubai. Dubai is our home and um, where we call home base. And um, it's it's also a region of the world where everybody foc- – the Middle East in, in general focuses on Dubai. So it's kind of like uh, the New York City of America – not New York City, right. but like it's a major play. So if you make it in Dubai, everybody is going to be focused on, on where you are. So you definitely want to focus the marketing in that region of the world because everyone follows Dubai. Well, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I thank you once again for going through your journey with Fetcher and what Fetcher is doing for – really being a next generation shipping company. I think it's awesome that it's addressing, uh, that's actually ironic, but it's addressing Addressing a population without addresses. It's it's addressing the unaddressed. I mean, that's (laughs) what we used to talk about. We're addressing the unaddressed. But yeah, we we definitely see ourselves as uh, solving this problem. And, and, you know, nothing's really changed dramatically in shipping in the last, what, 30 years? I mean, you know, it's nothing. So we really saw ourselves as the new frontier of shipping. And what I also like, because I talk a lot about blockchain, that yeah. this is something that a lot of blockchain companies are trying to solve for. Oh, yes. But here's a, here's a company doing it the traditional way, and it's working. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, you know, we, we try to focus on service. That human touch is something that with delivery can never go away. It's something that every, you know, how do you get that personal touch? That, that, that's something that never, that never, ever, ever loses. At the end of the day, you're knocking on someone's door and handing them something, right? Yeah. And taking a signature, 
or 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 exchanging cash in our in our in our instance. So it's a personal touch. Well, thanks again, Joy. And I want everyone not to go away because in our last segment, the pivot, mm. Joy is going to talk about <laughs> what she's going to do next. So, if any questions or comments about what we talked about today, email us at info at svnupbiz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest and friend is Joy Algeloni, who is the founder of Fetcher, a company that is number one on the Forbes Middle East list and has raised Series B money in total of $52 million. Joy has done a ton in her career, so this pivot segment is going to be about Joy's past present and future. Oh and we, did, we, we covered a lot about the present, but let's talk about the past first, Joy. Oh my God, so much pressure. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so pivot moments in my life, right? I would say my craziest pivot moment is meeting my co-founder at a, an event and literally three days later, packing up my bags, my family and everybody is here in Silicon Valley. And I've decided to pick up my bags and move to the Middle East all by myself not knowing a single human being uh, based on something that I felt really passionate about because I believed in it. And I, um, I don't know many people who pick up their entire lives and leave with two suitcases um, with nowhere to go, no, no apartment or anything just based on, a, on an idea and, and a dream. And I, and I did that. So that was pretty heavy. Uh, you know, I've never lived in the Middle East. I'm an, I'm an American girl born and raised here. Um, usually everybody wants to come to America, right? Right. <laughs> Here's an American girl who's packing up her life to go live in Dubai. So that was pretty big. That was a big pivot for me and took a lot of guts. I mean, uh, I remember, you know, when my mom dropped me off at the airport, she goes, you've got guts, kid. Like, you know, who packs up their bags? And it was scary, right? It's uh, the Middle East. You, all, you, you know, you always hear all the stories on TV about all the stuff that's going on. So it's scary. And uh, my family was worried for me. But uh, I said it's something I believed in, and I had to follow my dream, and I and I went. And it worked out. It did. It did. Thank God. And I think that's it speaks to a lot of things. It speaks to taking risks, calculated risks at the right time in your life. Well, you know, I think people live in, in and we talked about this previously, fear. Like, you know, I, I've always been the type of person that's like, okay, if I failed, I failed. So be it, right? And I just think that if you don't, you know, try anything, you're not going to achieve anything. And, you know, 90% is just showing up. I really believe in that. Like, you know, uh, when somebody says, do you want to go to this event? I always go, "Uh," and I always say to myself, no, no, show up. Because from showing up, things unfold for you. It's really interesting. Like, um, you just show up and you meet people. And and the next thing you know, you know, things happen. I'm on this show because I showed up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, so I, my biggest advice to people is you want to pivot your life, just show up. And it's powerful. We had talked earlier about social media and how things are like becoming very pressure filled for people who are trying to create this persona. And you were talking about how you just don't care, which is actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. Because I think back to the fear of failure, which is very common, especially in the Valley, right? People get comfortable in what they're doing they, yeah. they're, and, and they're – 
they're really worried about what's next. And I think having pioneers like you, uh, somebody they can look up to, is somebody who's done it. I mean, that you can start off in a career, start doing something and pivot Mm -hmm. and be successful. Yeah. Comfort is a terrible word. I hate the word be comfortable because when you're comfortable, you're stagnant. You don't want to be comfortable. You want to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable means that you're accomplishing something. You're outside of your your zone. So I always tell everybody, show up and be a little uncomfortable. And uh, that's that's what I did. I mean, I literally packed up and left to Dubai and I was really uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I'm in I'm, you know, in the Middle East, not knowing anyone or where to go, but uh it opened doors for me. So that's that's my my advice for a lot of entrepreneurs. And and now in this next phase, you're doing it again. I am doing it again. I'm uncomfortable. I am sitting here with you and I'm telling you that I am really uncomfortable. And that's great because I I believe in the unknown and uh, doors open. So um, I've moved on from Fetcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I've exited. Uh, I spent uh, six years there, um, fully vested after four years. So I was overdue by two years. But, you know, I'm a builder. I'm somebody who is passionate. I'm a, I'm a marketing officer. And actually Forbes uh, branded me a uh, top brand maker in the Middle East. So I was really flattered by that. I'm one of the top brand makers. But um, uh, Emirates also named you as a visionary. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, that's that's really flattering. I appreciate that. Um, really, I'm humbled by that. Wow, visionary. Um, so I think, um, you know, I'm open up for my next steps. Uh, I'm going back to the Middle East uh, on Monday, actually. I'm going back to Dubai. Um, for, I have a bunch of commitments, but I am open to the next next pivot in my life. And uh, I have a couple of things on the table that I'm working on, but um, I'm still not at liberty to talk about, you know, I'm in stealth mode. I love this word in Silicon Valley, stealth mode. But um, I have something on the table that I'm working on. Yeah, you know, we'll be sure to follow it once you, co- <laughs> once you emerge from stealth mode, as we say in the Valley. But Joy, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I yes. think it was really inspirational and in learning a lot about taking risks and not mm-hmm. getting comfortable and really challenging yourself. Yeah. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm uh, Anytime somebody wants to listen to me, I'm like, really? You want to listen to me? Thanks. But uh, thank you for having me here. And uh, I hope uh, somebody out there can benefit from something that I've said. I'm sure they will. And so <laughs> once again, Joy Agiloni. Founder of Fetcher, former chief marketing officer, onto her next thing. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at svn.biz. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Facebook, keithku.sv, on LinkedIn, keithku, and on Twitter, svi underscore keith. And we'll see you next week. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 